Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Buccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, 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 my, my, my. What could we possibly have to talk about on today's show? I am... A massive proponent of having things to talk about, SP3. That's all I ask for out of my professional wrestling is headlines, storylines, intrigue. Give me something juicy to bite into. This this takes it to the next level. This cranks it up to a let. Don't know. This cranks it up to 12, 13, 87. Bombshell report from the Wall Street Journal about Vincent Kennedy McMahon and an alleged $3 million settlement to a woman that he was apparently having an affair with. Oh, who was also a paralegal for WWE at the time. Johnny Ace also involved in this uh, as well, according to several reports. Fightful's been all over this, getting some reaction uh, to everything. Basically, SP3, there's a lot to dive into here, but the general consensus I'm getting from the public and the reporters and the reported people within WWE is no one's really surprised about this. And why should they be? This is Vince McMahon. He has been alleged for multiple different things. Sexual assault. Uh, the steroid scandal, pa- bribing investigators about Jimmy Snuka murdering his ex-girlfriend. Like, why would this be surprising if you know anything about professional wrestling history or you've watched Dark Side of the Ring? This no. shouldn't be a big surprise for you. No, it, it, it's not a big surprise. But I, I you know, at, at this stage in the game, now you have the board of directors who are looking at this. This story went public. There is the belief that this was a story that was intentionally leaked, whether that was by somebody on the board, somebody within the family. There's been a lot of unconfirmed reports about that, but that that is out there. That's in the ether that's floating around. Again, there's a lot, a lot to this, and we'll basically... This is not a story that is hard to believe, but it's it's more about what this story becomes and what it's going to mean for WWE and, more importantly, Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. We will get into that uh, coming up here soon. I, I hate that this story came out on a Wednesday because it's overshadowing what was a fantastic AEW Dynamite last night. We have new tag team champions the first ever two-time aew tag team champions were crowned last night in the main event and then after the main event we got a major heel turn jay white said "Uh uh-uh not hangman not adam cole neither one of you getting the damn title shot at forbidden door so who is sammy guevara back with chris jericho orange cassidy back in aew he's got a big match at forbidden door and we also have a women's title match that has been set up we have a lot Uh, that we are going to be diving into here today. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source 
for all your betting needs and sports information. Get all the latest odds, news, developments, including this year's uh, NBA Finals. Uh, the NHL Finals are now underway. Major League Baseball's in full swing. You got fighting news. Next season's early NFL futures are out. Get on over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your 50%. 50%, I said. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get that bonus and get into the action. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. And SP3, we will start today with this bombshell Wall Street Journal report. Uh, WWE board is now investigating a $3 million settlement that has been tied to Vince McMahon. He is uh, accused of paying off a now former paralegal for WWE uh, with whom he was allegedly having a, a, an affair with. and. Along this process of this investigation, which which started back in April, there were other non-disclosure agreements by former WWE employees that claim misconduct by both McMahon and John Laurinaitis. Now, this paralegal uh, was apparently, again, these are all reports, all right? Everybody is innocent until proven guilty in this country, but these are reports, these are allegations. Nothing has been like 100% confirmed, but we are going to go under the... I, I just I, I just want to get that disclaimer out of the way first. Nothing we're going to talk about here is is set in stone, but we're just going to go based off of there are these reports. Here's the disclaimer. We're all under the the understanding here that none of this has been confirmed. Uh, but the paralegal apparently in April of 21 got a huge raise, got a promotion from John Laurinaitis's assistant. Uh, up to, I, I forget exactly what it was, uh, what, what her position was called, but she got a big bump. She got a big bump in pay from a hundred grand to 200 grand, by the way, April, 2021. Uh, yeah, that's when those huge layoffs started rolling in due to budgetary cuts and things of that nature. And then after this affair, this relationship kind of spiraled out of control I believe the 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 line from the Wall Street Journal report is that this paralegal was basically passed from Vince McMahon to John Laurinaitis like a toy. She then left WWE, got $3 million not to say anything or anything derogatory about Vince McMahon. There is a lot uh to this and and frankly my head is swimming i'm not even sure where to start on this sp3 so i'll i'll give you the floor here and and you know i chime in when i when when i when i get when my head clears after this it's a lot to take in um and you know this wall street journal we gotta hand it to them because it's not every day that the wall street journal gives us the biggest wrestling news of oh yeah one of the biggest wrestling news stories of the year uh let alone of the week but uh yeah maybe this the decade is, if this goes as far as it might if it, if yeah the fallout will will determine how big of a story it really is because you know you had the fightful report coming out of this that said this is feels like the biggest um thing against Vizic Man in his leadership position since the steroids uh era, since the steroids trial. And that's huge. That's three decades it's been since this big of a story and this big of an indictment against Vizic Man has happened and just the overall 
like disgusting details of this, like, you know, paying off the paralegal because of the affair and then passing her along to John Laronitis. I mean, the biggest thing out of this that I can say that I can say for sure is that John Laronitis is not going to have a position in WWE for very long. If anyone is going to see consequences coming out of this, I definitely see Johnny Ace being the fall guy. And and Fightful pretty much said that. In, in Fightful's yeah. support, they said, look, John Laurinaitis, many feel that he is going to be set up, and those were the exact words, used as they as the fall guy. He's the one that's going to be the first one next up on the chopping block to take the bullet. But with the board of directors looking at this, and and you would know the legal side of things you know, more, more than I would about possible ramifications for something like this, um, with the board looking into this, this... Make no mistake about it. This is a very serious, serious threat to Vince McMahon and his control over WWE. The fallout for this could be astronomical. Yeah, this could lead to Vince McMahon being removed from his position as chairman of the board. Just PR wise, this doesn't look good for the WWE at all. And, you know, I don't know if you watch hockey, but I don't. So what is it after a hat trick? I know three goals is a hat trick. What does it, what does it, what is it called when a person gets four goals? Um, you know, I don't know. Whatever I know what, it is. I know in baseball, is, if you strike out four times, it's a golden sombrero. No, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. This is four <laughs> goals. This is four touchdowns. This is a triple double for Nick Khan. He has gotten, he's removed Shane McMahon from this company. He has taken out triple triple H from his position in charge of NXT and totally, you know, whitewashed that that brand. He's taking out Stephanie McMahon. And this might be the the triple double. And in a matter of two years, he might be the guy that is in the chairman position honestly it might not be a mcmahon for all the people that talked about for years triple h just being groomed to take Vince mcmahon's position yeah that would have been great <laughs> a year ago before everything that has happened and nick khan has rose in prominence but you know i'm not trying to say nick khan had anything to do with this this story Correct, coming yeah. out i'm just saying that nick khan is the more like is the most likely successor to Vince McMahon. if this leads to Vince McMahon being removed from this position as the chairman Nick Khan has worked his way up, has leveled his way up from from below the McMahon family to now he seems like the most likely person who will be given the position as chairman of the board. So I think that this is this is a huge story that, you know, even with all the information that came out with the Wall Street Journal report, as well as with the Fightful Select reporting, excellent job from both of those outlets with everything able to divulge in this whole situation and you know all the stuff about john laronitis and you know ex-employee people saying that you know they rather not work with the company or rather get their stuff in a trash bag than be working under john laronitis we know john johnny yeast is going to be gone very very soon out of this whole ordeal but if it leads to this big man coming out and 
being removed as chairman of the board. This is like, yeah, this is like the biggest story in wrestling of the decade in a year that Cody Rhodes went from AEW to WWE to in a year that, you know, CM Punk won the AEW World Championship in a year that AEW is doing a joint promotion show with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And in a week where AEW had probably its most tumultuous yeah. and worst week in their three-year exception, their their biggest WWE, WWE, so WWE comes out and says, "Tony, hold my beer." Like, <laughs> like this is not this is not the week where you wanted to one up AEW. Like, this is the one time, and they they went above and beyond one up. Yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody talking about Jeff Hardy today. He don't even make the rundown for us today on this show. And there was some uh, new stuff that came out about that. So maybe we'll talk about that. You know, we'll let that kind of sizzle and put on the back burner for a little bit. Again, we hope, you know, Jeff is is healthy and gets the help that he needs. That's the most important thing about that story. But yeah, man, you talk about a year for the McMahon family or the McMahon Helmsley family or, or whatever, Levesque family. You go from the incident at the Royal Rumble in January. You got the revelations about Triple H's health in March. Uh, last month you have Stephanie McMahon who decides to step down from her role and take an indefinite leave of absence. And then you have this right here. I mean, you're talking about Shane. I mean, what's Linda up to? Like, seriously, like, is she next? Like what, where is Linda in all this? She, you know, she ain't working in the white house no more. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what it's like being there, but I definitely am the same people. One of these same people who's connecting the dots here. Again, this is all speculation, but Stephanie's on the board right stephanie's on the board she steps down in may the investigation started in april obviously she knew this was going on everybody was looking for that for that behind the curtains reasoning there that this wasn't just family this wasn't just her burnt out needing to take time off everybody said there had to be something there and i was the guy who was sitting there saying guys why do we always got to look for the extra thing? Maybe this literally is just she. Boy, howdy, was I freaking wrong on that one. There is no doubt in my mind this played a major role. This is why Rick Eugenio is a great host, because he can admit when he's wrong. He can admit when he's wrong, and that's what we do here. But just for anyone, you know, I, I know there's probably like new wrestling fans that, you know, listen to our show, watch our show. And they're probably surprised, like, you know, an owner of a billion dollar company, the biggest professional wrestling company in the world is involved in something like this. But I have to shout out certain YouTube, a certain uh, Twitter account, Drain Baminger, who has an excellent, an excellent thread. And I'm just going to give you some of these facts. These are actual facts and actual real stories that date now four decades. If you're a Reed, WWE shill, you might want to grab a shot or a beer or something. I mean, Rita, hey, um, Rita Marie Shatterton was the first female referee in the WWE in the 80s. She got into Vince's limo to discuss her contract, but was forced to have oral sex to save her career. When she didn't agree, Vince allegedly raped her that night on July 16, 1986. 
in 2006. This is more this is more of a on the screen thing that has actually been confirmed by the McMahon family themselves. In 2006, Vince McMahon came up with an incest storyline with his daughter Stephanie. Vince's pitch was to have a who's the daddy story with Steph's unborn child. Uh, the end game was either Vince or Shane being revealed to be the father. Luckily, Stephanie rejected the idea. In 1983, rejected. The yes. Idea. Yes. In 1983, what I said earlier, Jimmy Snooker was, char- was charged with the murder of his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, and Vince was the one who did all the talking for his employee. Vince allegedly paid off the investigators to save Snooker from legal troubles. To this day, WWE doesn't acknowledge those charges. Uh, in 2006, once again, Edge and Lita both were against the live sex celebration segment, but Vince McMahon didn't listen to anyone, including John Cena, his top star, who tried to cancel this idea. McMahon even threatened to fire Lita if she didn't do what the company had planned for. When Steve Austin's then uh, uh, wife, Deborah, filed domestic violence charges on him, McMahon was the one of the first to cover up up the uh, the charges for Austin. He allegedly told Deborah to never discuss this publicly with anyone. After Austin walked out on WWE in 2002, he was briefly arrested for uh, beating his wife. Jim Ross once revealed that Vince McMahon wasn't uh, going to sign Gail Kim in the company, but he changed his mind after Ross told him that men were into Asian porn. Jim even said that McMahon didn't believe such a thing existed in the first place. This is where I dropped out of the thread, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I like, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not diving down this rabbit hole any further. (laughs) You decided to keep going. The 90s steroids trial. McMahon was accused of uh, giving steroids to his wrestlers like candy, and many wrestlers even investigated against him. He even transferred WWE's ownership to his wife, Linda, because there was no way he was getting out of this without a miracle. I'm going to skip a few that probably isn't that tangible to anybody. This is one that I knew of that I still disgusted to this day. Vince McMahon personally interviewed Melanie Pillman on Raw the day after Brian Pillman's death. Used as a ratings ploy, they plugged it throughout the night on Raw. Vince used Melanie to avoid any allegations of drug and steroid abuse within the company. And affidavit David of late uh, Ashley Mazzaro details an experience she had during a WWE tour to middle to the Middle East. She claimed to have been raped and sodomized by a member of the military while on the trip. And Vince told her to keep quiet. So the WWE's relationship with the military was not hurt. I'll just stop there. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know silence is death in broadcasting. I mean, you ever heard of Saver Time? Like, on classical music stations, they'll have, like, sometimes upwards of, like, two minutes of just silence for people who really get into the music to just kind of take it all in. This is the bad form of Saver Time because I'm just sitting there and I'm just how do you even respond to that like i'm not the most quick-witted person but just listening to that list over and over and over again and reading it and get, and remembering this stuff there's been so much of this stuff that i'd forgotten about for crying out loud 
And this may finally be the thing that takes him down. Now, by the way, according to, uh, and this might be, uh, this might be important as far as legal ramifications are concerned. Again, I'm not a legal expert, but according to WWE's attorney, or I believe it may have been Vince's attorney personally, uh, there were no allegations of harassment by the paralegal. These were personal funds that were paid. It wasn't coming from WWE, so it was not uh, WWE's uh, money on this one. But so much of Vince's money is tied into WWE. So again, we might be uh, splitting hairs down at this point. But uh, I think the consensus here is if all of this is true, there's no way Vince should keep his position and will keep his position. Again, this might finally be the thing that takes Vince McMahon down. And like the it's you might be one of these people who's sitting out here, by the way, listening to this show and reading these allegations and sitting here going, There is no way that Vince McMahon would be this stupid. Not stupidity, it's arrogance. It's arrogance. It's powerful people in powerful positions with a shit ton of money who feel like they're bulletproof. And for the entirety of Vince McMahon's life, he has been bulletproof. You just heard a fraction of the stuff that has come out against Vince McMahon in the past, and he is still in control 80% of WWE decision-making. 80%, even though, what, he only owns like a third of the shares? And he runs 80% of the company. The interesting part is, what you alluded to earlier is what happens if they do take Vince McMahon out. You'd Stephanie's on hiatus. Triple H isn't really in a position to kind of take anything over. Neither is Shane. Yeah, it would be Nick Khan. We would have dueling cons in charge of WWE and AEW. And I'm telling you right now, I don't think Nick Khan is in this for the long haul. Like Tony is If WWE is ever going to get sold. It's going to be with Vince McMahon out of the chair. That's just me speculating again, but that's that's what I think Nick would do. As far as the short term, from a creative standpoint, which is like the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to this story, I think probably Hunter would take over. I think Triple H would take over from a creative standpoint and Nick would run the business on the day-to-day operations. I think that's how things would go until a sale is ultimately done. Will we get to that point? Could be a long time. Could be a long, long, ugly process to get to that point. Because here's the thing, folks. Here's the other thing that neither that we haven't brought up yet. There's more coming. There's more coming. This, like you said, Sid, this was leaked to the Wall Street Journal. No disrespect to Wrestling Inc. or the Wrestling Observer or Fightful, who all do good work, all have their insiders. This wasn't linked linked to any of them. This was linked to the Wall Street Journal. They were trying to prove a point. They wanted this to get mainstream coverage everywhere. And now the Wall Street Journal has this? One of the most powerful men in America with a $3 million cover-up to a paralegal? Oof. You know they're going to dig. You know they're going to dig. And maybe the WWE board decides 
we don't want to go through that process and they might vote. I don't, again, I don't know how any of that works, but that end up could be in the case. But I think first things first, Johnny ace is going to find himself on his Johnny ass. Uh, very, very, very soon. Um, Wrestling Inc. did did say that there was a a possible other big story that would be breaking fairly soon. This one involving a release did not say which company did not say that it was directly did not say it was directly involved with Vince McMahon and the Wall Street Journal report. So it may be Johnny. It could be somebody else completely. So uh, we will all just keep waiting because apparently the big news uh, is just going to keep on coming, folks. And this is. Again, all allegations, none of this proven true, but damn, what a way to dominate 24 minutes of our show there. Holy shit. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's talk about some wrestling. Let's talk about some something, some good things that happened last night. Let's have some fun. This show's about supposed to be about fun. I'm tired of talking about DUIs and, and sex cover-ups. What has this show become? What has this week become? Jesus. Hell of a main event last night, SP3, on AEW Dynamite. Young Bucks, your boys, becoming the two-time, first-ever two-time AEW Tag Team Champions. They defeat Jurassic Express in a TLC match. Oh, I'm sorry, just a ladder match. Just a ladder match. Uh, Was not a table left standing, I'll bet that. Those boys went through all of them. Every table in the entire venue last night, those boys went through all of them. Luchasaurus went through most of them in one fell swoop. Huge bump by the big man. But the headlines from what was a great match, fun match, supposed to be a triple threat, but the headlines coming out of last night, Young Bucks, two-time AEW Tag Team Champions, and then what happened afterward? It had been teased for a long, long Long time because AEW don't rush nothing. Finally, the payoff last night. Jungle Boy taken out. Got the double knee shot. Young Bucks grab the belts. Christian checks on Luchasaurus. He's all right. He gets in the ring. He's walking Jungle Boy out, who's still woozy. Takes him out. Completes the heel turn. Ends up hitting him with the, the concerto to close the show. And then as I alluded to at the top of the show. Uh, Jungle Boy is taken out on a stretcher after the show went off the air. Hopefully, again, that's a work. Tony Khan reportedly looks stressed, according to those who were uh, in the stands. We'll, we'll wait, but as of this recording, we're just going to assume that that was a work. It was all part of the show last night. Number one on the five count. Better moment from the main event. The Young Bucks title win or Christian's heel turn, SP. Better moment for me? <laughs> it's was your the, opinion it's was your the opinion. young bucks title win because i got showered in all the haters tears like i gave watch out that might not be tears it is tears it is all the haters tears because i gave ftr i gave them the crown of the best tag team in the world and they earned it Five star, still my match of the year with the Briscoes back at ROA Supercard of Honor on April 1st. They then came back 
on the, the following Wednesday and had one of the best TV matches of the year against the Young Bucks, beating them for the ROH World Ta- and AAA World Tag Team Champions. They're still two tag team champions in the world, probably going to get a third at Forbidden Door if they go against Jeff Cobb and the great Ocon for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. But Matt and Nick Jackson, the greatest tag team of our generation, the greatest tag team in AEW history, the greatest tag team in PWG history, the greatest tag team in independent wrestling ever, and quite possibly the greatest tag team of all time are now the first ever two-time AEW World Tag Team Champions. Just a couple of days a couple weeks after they pulled off another dave Meltzer rated five-star matchup against the lucha bros on aew rampage the young bucks got their crown back they are now once again the best tag team in the world today and i am happy they are once again aew world tag team champions because that means tony khan will care about the aew world tag team titles once again it's a sweet day it is too sweet to be elite you're fired up today i love it you're wrong though the, the best moment last night was was Christian's heel turn. It was absolutely, hands down, 100% Christian's heel turn. Finally, Tony Khan remembered that he has Christian Cage, the performer, and not just the coach. I have been sitting here patiently waiting for them to let Christian Cage off the leash and work. Remember when he came into AEW and said, I was going to outwork everybody? And then he immediately got himself into a fantastic, fantastic title feud with Kenny Omega. Ended up beating him for the Impact World title. Was on two different brands, two different shows at the same time. Dude, bro, was outworking everybody. Then he lost to Kenny Omega. Then he lost the Impact World title. And then he got benched. And has been chilling and has just been cutting promos for Jurassic Express and walking around in a leather jacket and you got a ship of blah, blah. And I'm like, y'all remember you got Christian, right? I think he's wrestled like four matches in the last freaking year for crying out loud. I'm sitting here and I'm going, he left WWE for this. I've been thinking it. I didn't say it out loud, but I've been thinking it like, come on. Can we use the man? Just use the man. Last night has to be the start of Tony Khan going, I, right, I'm going to use the man. It was a great heel turn. It, ma- it actually made sense for how this has all been being built up because he always wanted Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to ascend, to shoot higher, right? He puts them in this big, at the time, triple threat ladder match against two of the best teams to ever do it. Because he wants them to strive. He wants them to aim for the stars and prove that they're just as good as them. And what's Jungle Boy do? What the hell does Jungle Boy do? He pouts. He questions. He goes, what the hell are you talking about? He scoffs at Christian, putting him in this triple threat match. Christian don't like that. Then they go out. Hardys ain't part of the equation. They still lose the damn match. 
Do you know where Christian turned into? Christian turned into a disappointed dad that had to teach a damn lesson. Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, could not ascend to the heights that he had envisioned for them. So he said, screw y'all. And he decided to take out Jungle Boy, hit him with the concerto, and then afterwards talk smack to his family in the front row. We are getting heel Christian. That is, a to me anyway, this is a bigger deal for me. That was a better moment, even though all of it wasn't on TV. God knows they couldn't keep that, keep, keep that rolling, go that extra time to let us see all that great heel work by Christian. But regardless, to me, that was the better moment because that, to me, signifies something big is on the horizon or at least anything involving Christian Cage uh, on the horizon with him actually wrestling. I'm looking forward to him and Jungle Boy uh, getting it on. And by the way, I wasn't the only one. When he grabbed Jungle Boy last night, that crowd erupted. That was not the reaction I think they were expecting. It wasn't until Christian grabbed the chairs that the crowd started booing. So people have been waiting for this for a long time. Young Bucks, two-time tag team champions, great. Awesome. Good for them. I'm not as big as a Young Bucks fan as you are, but I don't know who is. That's not derogatory for me to say. I'm just not as high on them as you are. There are many people in this world that are Young Bucks fans. They realize that we are watching the greatest tag team of our era, of our generation. And I'm a huge Christian fan. I've been a peep since being a peep wasn't the popular thing back in 2003. Back, I was was rolling with Christian when, Christian, alas, you're on your own. I've been rocking with them since then, since Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian is still, in my opinion, the greatest tag team of the Attitude Era. Not the Hardys, not the Dudleys, not the New Age Outlaws, not Rock and Saw Connection. It's Edge and Christian. So I've been rolling with Christian from way back. And yes, Christian's heel turn was well-deserved. It built up for a while. And I was like, yes, finally, when it went down and it happened, great moment. but. The Young Bucks winning the AEW World Tag Team Championships. That's the moment that I will remember from this night. And I would I would go with a push, if anything. <laughs> if anything. But I'm gonna go with the Young Bucks to be a contrarian. Both both things needed to happen last night. I think both things absolutely needed to happen last night. And if this doesn't lead to Young Bucks and FTR, I don't know what we're doing here. All right. I know there was a report from Fightful Select yesterday that there was uh, some frustrations over the direction of the AEW tag team division, and that had a lot to center around the Hardys, specifically uh, Jeff Hardy and some of his issues that he was having, uh, again, out in public and everything like that. So um, they obviously pivoted away from the Hardys. That seemed to be the direction at first. It's got this run. I'll say it. This run can't be that long. It can't be that long. This needs to be a transitional title run to get the belts on FTR so they can be the triple threat, triple crown tag team champions sooner rather than later. Um, not at Forbidden Door, obviously, but uh, the next one after that. All wait, Which one is it? Is it All Out? All Out's after that one in Chicago? That's where I yes, think Yes, All Out. That's what I want to see. I want to see Christian versus Jungle Boy at All Out, and I want to see the Young Bucks versus FTR for Four tag team titles for the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles for the ROH and 
and eight AAA World Tag Team titles and for the AEW World Tag Team titles. All the gold on the line in one match. And then at the end, I just want to see Dax and Cash just swimming in the belts. Like two, just, two out of three falls. Just had a stipulation. Two ooh. out of three falls. That match will go an hour, and I'll love every damn second of it. All right, let's 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 speed this bad boy up. Number two, Jay White, your boy. God, you just had a great night last night as far as AEW is concerned. With your, with, with your, your, your boys. Your boys just killing it last night. See, uh, I, had, I had my nitpicks about last week, and Tony was like, you know what? We're going to make this show for SP3. Because he watches our program, obviously. He's a big fan of SP3, right? Both here and on the True Heel Heat YouTube channel. And he's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my boy some solids this week. Jay White shows up. Kicks the crap out of Hangman Adam Page as he and Adam Cole were arguing over, you know, who's actually going to be the one to challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I loved Hangman saying, uh, calling himself an idiot for, you know, thinking that Okada might not even be uh, the champion. I'm glad they addressed that. And he was just like, hey, I'm stupid. What do you want? I'm a cowboy. Hey, let's do some fun shit. Um, So I love that he was they were able to do that. I loved Adam Cole saying, no, 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 no. This needs to be about. The Undisputed Elite and the Bullet Club, it's all love, but we're going to fight over this title. Think about what that means. And then JY's just like, no, nah, F both y'all. Like, we ain't, we ain't doing this, which probably means we're going to get a triple threat like you called uh, at, at Forbidden Door. But I'll go ahead and ask the question because I decided to choose violence today. If it is not Hangman or Cole who does uh, challenge uh, Jay White, uh, for the I'm, I'm misreading my own question. Let me start over. If it's not Hangman or Cole, who does Jay White defend the IWGP world title against at Forbidden Door? I said I thought it would be the triple threat and I wasn't going to be happy about it. I've said that the only way this can work is if it's a fatal four way because oh. You heard the bulls when Cole said that Kazuka Okada wouldn't even be at Forbidden Door. You throw Okada into the mix and you make it a four-way. Hangman Adam Page, Adam Cole, Kazuka Okada, and Switchblade Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Put all of them against Jay White, and Jay White still wins. He proves himself as the greatest IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in history at Forbidden Door in the front of the sold-out United Center. And damn you, Tony Yon, if you watch believe in pro wrestling podcasts if you watch true he does. He does. why didn't you put the damn new japan pro wrestling dominion promo from switchblade on this show <laughs> i knew okay you had switchblade on the show and he cut a pretty good promo in response to hangman page and he said some he, of the same stuff but you should have shown that dominion promo before hangman came out it had to believe every other word though it's okay it's okay <laughs> They get away with most of that stuff on on TBS and TNT anyway. So give it to me. Give it to me. I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get that. But I was very happy to see a Switchblade. And he just came off like the biggest star in AEW or New Japan on this show. He's got a presence about him. That's for He that's just exudes star power, charisma, it factor, whatever you want to call it. He's the male Jay version has of Jade Cargill. <laughs> In a lot of ways, in a lot yeah. of ways, he is, he is, he is. 
I, uh, I just by the love way, Switchblade. By the way, uh, totally unrelated to anything, but they were in St. Louis last night, and apparently Jade Cargill was going to be wearing uh, a Brandon Phillips Cincinnati Reds jersey, so I can't wait to watch Rampage on Friday and just hear the crowd boo her out of the building. Looking forward to that. Uh, but anywho, I said what I said, right? I said I chose violence, all right? And that might tip my cap here. Assuming he's healthy. Again, the question is, if it's not Hangman or Cole, which is totally going to be, so this is kind of a fantasy booking question anyway. I envision a world, SP3, where John Moxley is walking down to the ring with the interim AEW World Heavyweight Championship on his right shoulder and standing over to his left in a shiny new white t-shirt with sleeves on it is Brian Danielson holding the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So if he's ready to go, that's what I want to see. I want to see Jay White. I want to see Brian Danielson. And I want to see Brian Danielson win that damn belt so he can go have some classic uh, New Japan matches like he's always wanted to do. This is fantasy booking at its finest. I want to see William Regal walk down with all the gold in the Blackpool Combat Club. By the way, you looking scrumptious tonight. This one you is- can't, you can't have just Jack Zack Saber Jr. tease the greatest technical wrestling matchup of all time at no Forbidden Door and not give it to us. No <laughs> you no don't know people in the UK. All of these people in the UK want to see Zack Saber Jr. versus Will Osprey. I no mean, Zack Saber Jr. versus the American Dragon. Give it to us. I don't, I don't care. I want to see you. Don't, you, <laughs> you don't say no one. You. I'm just saying, you you got to admit though that visual of William Regal just standing in the ring, Wheeler Yuta's got his gold, Moxley's got the AEW World Title, and Brian Danielson holding the IWGP. That would be a hell of a sight. Ain't gonna happen in a million years because we're getting the damn triple threat match. I do like the idea of the of the fatal four way match by having Okada uh, be in this. Uh, obviously, I did see some people asking the same question on on Twitter. For those of you who are hoping for a Kenny Omega miracle appearance, please do not. Do not get your hopes up. It's wrestling. Never say never. No one really knows where his health status is right now. Uh, but Wrestling Observer's pretty tapped into AEW. And that, what, just a few weeks ago, they said there's literally no timetable uh, for his return. I just hope he has his Rob Van Dam at One Night Stand 2005 moment where he can just have an in-ring promo and just be on AEW television for the first time since his injury. Just give me like a, uh, just have him like, Approach Mox at the end of the night, like and just kind of put no, Mox no, on nothing, no, like no, no, nothing like that. We don't need anything like that. We just need him to come out, say a few words. If you want to have like uh, a hue or a baby face come out and attack him, and and if they can convince Koto Ibushi to get over his beef with New Japan, and he comes out with the save, that would be a great moment. But I just want Kenny to have his solo moment because none of this would be possible without Kenny. I don't need anything to be teased when we don't know when he's going to come back. I just want him to have a moment at Forbidden Door. That's fair. You know, sometimes you just got to let things be what they are and not convolute it and put too much crap into everything. Uh, which brings me to uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, uh, who had a uh, a duel, uh, you know, double-headed night last night. Obviously, they opened up hot, hot match last night between Jericho and Ortiz. 
Love Sammy Guevara getting involved, dressed as Fuego del Sol and taking out uh, Ortiz, allowing Jericho to pick up the match and and keep his hair. I loved Ortiz saying, basically saying, F you, this ain't no big deal. Screaming blood and guts while he's shaving his own head in the middle of the ring. Just standing there like a man, like, F it, I lost, whatever. This ain't no big deal to me. He did look weird, totally bald later when he came out. Uh, but my thing is, like, they didn't really need to come out again. I don't know why they had to interject all of that shit into a fantastic stare down between, um, you know, Mox and Takata and everything was, we're getting ready to see the guy speak. And then he gets to say all of like three words and it's Jericho shut up. Um, which was to great. Be, to be fair, he doesn't speak too much English. So I, I know that's all, all he could get out was the shut up. And I, I know, but I agree with you. I thought I thought Moxley's promo was absolutely fantastic. And that's all you need. It, it made the match feel important with Moxley's promo. And then Jericho getting involved kind of convoluted it. Yeah. And then they like. He announced some kind of match that I don't even know what it was that he said, because I'll be honest, there are a few people in that match that I had no clue who they were. Uh, but regardless, let's let's focus on here for. Right. Uh, and we'll, we'll dive into that more as uh, for Forbidden Door gets closer. But let's focus on the positives here. Love Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti now being involved with the Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't the way that Sammy was going where he kind of seemed directionless, where, oh, is he a babyface? Is he a heel? What's what's going on here? The crowd hates him. Well, if the crowd hates him, might as well put him with JS, JAS again. So I'll ask you, I'm all for it. Was this a smart move or a smart move? I don't, I think this was the only move that Tony Khan had to do with Sammy Guevara at this point. Yeah, it was 100% a smart move because Sammy, if Sammy Guevara is already healed, there's no reason to take him away from, from Jericho because you kind of, you know, set him on a good path. Like we thought that the whole point of the inner circle was to set Sammy Guevara up to be his own standalone star. And then they got lost in the sauce with this whole relationship with Ty Conti, basically turning him heel and, you know, the TNT championship, you wrote that out to the point of no return to the point that no one wants to see Sammy Guevara ever with the TNT championship again. So you're not ready to put him up in the main event spot. So where is he supposed to go? So this is seems like just putting the best of both worlds back together. Sammy and Jericho always work well with the, with each other. Him, you know, getting bringing even more heat to the Jericho Appreciation Society makes a whole lot of sense so yeah i think this was a good move and to elaborate on what jericho tried to say because he was all over the place with that promo while the brawl was going on behind him it's going to be chris jericho sammy guevara and new japan pro wrestling's own minoru suzuki versus okay. the blackpool combat clubs wheelie yuda John Moxley's young boy, his young lion from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Shoto Amino, the shooter, and Eddie Kingston in a six-man tag team matchup at Forbidden Door. All right. Yeah, like you said, I think this was part of Jericho. He was just all over the place with that promo. I actually knew five out of the six people involved in that match. So, okay, good. Thank you for setting this up. As far as Sammy, this is basically hitting the reset button. And I think that's that's the smartest move. Like, their mistakes were made along the way. Tony Khan totally misjudged how the crowd would react. 
uh, to Sammy Guevara's relationship with Ty Conti. And it, it just spiraled out of control from that point on. Like you said, the goal was to have Sammy be able to stand on his own with the at the end of the inner circle. Well, you basically have inner circle 2.0. Things haven't worked out the way you wanted to with Sammy Guevara. Might as well hit the reset button, put him back with Chris Jericho and start the climb back up again. Obviously, the talent is still there. He's still going to be heavily featured as part of JAS. So I think this is just a very smart booking uh, all the way uh, around. And I think it's going to elevate Ty Conti as well. Um, we'll we'll see how things progress from there. Big return last night. Big, huge, huge return last night. Uh, the pop that Orange Cassidy got last night. Shall we call it an orange soda pop for Cassidy last night? He, uh, again, gang wars after a fantastic match uh, between Dax and Will Ospreay last night. Just incredible, incredible work. But Orange Cassidy gets involved, and all of a sudden now we're getting gang wars. We got Trent getting involved. We got, you know, uh, United Kingdom getting involved. We got 10 men in the in the ring, and I'm sitting here going, oh. United Empire. All right, United Empire, excuse me. Uh, we got all these guys in the ring. And I'm like, oh, they're setting up a 10-man tag match for Forbidden Door. Okay, that's that's cool. That, that should be fine. Nope. By the end of the night, it's announced that Will Ospreay will be defending his IWGP United States Championship, which he didn't have last night, against Orange Cassidy at Forbidden Door. Is that the right call, in your opinion, to put those two guys up against one, one another? I I just want to do Will Ospreay in a singles matchup. And it didn't really matter to me who it was against. I would have preferred, you know, someone like a Darby Allen or a Jungle Boy, one of the top stars, like, you know, Brian Danielson or John Moxley. But Orange Cassidy is a good is a good consolation prize. I mean, Orange Cassidy is going to be popular is going to be popular in Chicago. He always gets big pops there. Will Ospreay is one of the best workers in the world, and he proved that last night on Dynamite in an absolutely brilliant matchup with Dax Harwood with their kind of contrasting styles meshing so well with each other. And I think that you know, with Orange Cassidy and his style and his character, I think Will Ospreay will be able to make this work and this is going to be a new challenge for will osprey who's always looking for new challenges and i think this is the best option because this now takes that five five on five matchup which i think they should do on probably next week oh no i know next week's dynamite they're doing the trios match well if it's you know on rampage or the following you know for you know blood and guts the blood and guts episode following forbidden door wherever they want to do this five on five or if they save that for new japan if they want to do that they can save that for down the line but this is the I wanted Will Ospreay in the singles match. I wanted Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb to put up the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships against FTR, whether it's two on two or in a three way with Rapongi Vice. So this leaves the door open for them to also do that. So I think this is the best way to kind of spread out the card for Forbidden yeah. Door and have some big matches. And I think this is going to be probably one of the better matches on the night. This just screams fun to me. Will Ospreay is fantastic in the ring. The the it's been a joy to actually kind of watch him get to work. It's been well documented. I just don't 
have a whole lot of time to check out New Japan, uh, which is why I'm not as familiar with a lot of these talents as SP3 are is, excuse me, but it, that's why we make a, a great team. And that's why I wanted him on this show with me uh, for moments just like this to, to break down everything. Um, so it's been great to watch him work. And Orange Cassidy, from a character standpoint, from an in-ring standpoint, is just fucking fun. I mean, this is, this is what this match is going to be. Cassidy's going to lose. Nothing wrong with that. He's taken losses before. Who cares? It's going to be a fun match. I'm all for it. And yes, I agree with you. I think putting a five-on-five match, you know, initially I'm like, cool. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, how many matches are we going to be getting on this card exactly so yes this allows them to kind of spread everything out a little bit you can put ftr in an iwgp tag team title match which hopefully they will win and then set up that big all the gold all for you know all the marbles match with the young bucks down the line i love that idea uh so yeah this is going to spread things out a little bit give osprey a chance to shine on a big stage uh in a one-on-one matchup and this is going to be great for orange cassidy as well great to have him back everything is awesome uh, some people were wondering, is there going to be a women's match uh, on the card at Forbidden Door? And a very, very good question. I had that same question in mind. Turns out, yes, we are going to have a women's match in mind. It was Tony Storm last night defeating Dr. Britt Baker. And before I go any further, I have to give a round of applause to the good doctor. She sold me a bill of goods. I thought Tony Storm knocked her ass unconscious last night pun intended i thought she was out i thought she was seeing stars i thought she didn't know where the hell she was she sold that turnbuckle bump phenomenally last night i was slightly surprised that tony storm went over in the end and moreover i was slightly surprised that it was announced by the end of the show that Tony Storm would be challenging Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship, and that match would be taking place at Forbidden Door. It seemed like they were setting up the good doctor, uh, the way she's been cutting her promos, as saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm not done with Thunder Rosa. I, that title misses me. I missed that title. That seemed to be the direction they were going. They swerved us here. They have now set up Tony Storm. Babyface versus babyface. Now they they're not afraid to do this. We just saw it with Punk and Hangman, and both guys still came out babyfaces in the end. But this is interesting to me. This this to me is interesting. They decided to go with Tony Storm to be the next challenger for Thunder Rosa. What about you? I love it. I love the decision. This is how you put more attention on Thunder Rosa's reign, which is lacked attention. Um, I think they've done a good job of setting this up over the last two weeks with Tony Storm making the save for Thunder Rosa against Marina Shafir. They the first week after Double or Nothing, they had you know Ruby Soho get her win back, but it was in a tag team match with Tony Storm, so she got the win there. Then last week she helped out Thunder Rosa. This week. Thunder Rosa helped her out getting rid of Jamie Hader. So 
Tony Storm can beat Britt Baker one-on-one in the middle of the ring. She's beaten the former champion, and now the only thing left is Thunder Rosa. I think that next week, if they can just give them maybe an in-ring promo, kind of just to put their intentions out there. Tony Storm had a good promo backstage to hype up her match with Britt Baker, give Thunder Rosa that same opportunity, kind of speak her mind about the challenge of Tony Storm. And I think that this has been one of the more more effective buildups going into Forbidden Door and out of surprise because I didn't think we would have one women's match on this show because I thought the whole theme of this show was AEW versus New Japan but I'm very happy they have decided to add this to the card and like we saw at Double or Nothing you give Thunder Rosa time and she will have one of the best matches of the night and I think with Tony Storm this has the potential to even outdo her effort against Serena Deeb at Double or Nothing. I'm glad we're still rolling. Remember that big release that I talked about at the beginning of the show? Boy, it happened. What, what is it? What is it? Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. Uh-huh. Not 100% confirmed, but what he is hearing is that Sasha Banks has been released by WWE or is no longer involved with WWE. This is his direct tweet. I'm hearing Sasha Banks has been released. I don't know if this was requested or if it was on WWE's end. Uh, Sean Rossap had a tweet from Fightful.com. I spoke with Raj this afternoon, asked WWE about this. As of this evening, they say they had not heard that, and the talent relations didn't seem to know. Not saying that it didn't or isn't happening, but this is what I've heard so far when asked. Raj has good sources. Uh, so not to completely ignore everything that you just said, but I happened to check Twitter real quick and I'm glad uh, that I did. This would be an absolute Jesus. You want to talk about bombshell reporting. Now we got to throw this at the end here. Hang on. I'll put the banner up. Sasha Banks released by WWE question mark. There it is on the screen that again this is one of those things that is kind of hard to process in the moment if this does come to fruition because as of this recording this is this is fresh all right this is live radio folks so by the time you watch this tomorrow or friday or whenever this might be completely different all right might be a completely different situation but as of this moment that's big I did not think that it would get to this point. I really didn't. I thought cooler heads would prevail. Sasha Banks, which again, you got the contract situation going on there. Didn't know when her contract was up, whether it was a couple months, two months, what have you, a couple years, whatever the situation was. Um, totally unclear on that. I thought cooler heads would prevail at some point down the line. This does not appear to be the case. And the, honestly, the first thing that pops into my mind is, WWE wants something else to dominate the headlines. Like, seriously, is it sad that that's the first thing that popped in my brain on that one? I'm like in shock right now. Like, what? <laughs> like, oh, wow. I did not expect this. No, I, I thought that they would come to some sort of agreement before anything like this 
would happen or any tweets, you know, suggesting that, like you said, SRS hasn't confirmed it yet. So I guess we got to wait till then. But wow. Wow. I did not expect that. I Like you said, I thought Johnny Ace, maybe someone from NXT. You know, we've been hearing that they might do some NXT releases, but Sasha Banks, I don't know if she is just if this report is true, if she's the biggest free agent in wrestling or is she the biggest free agent in Hollywood? Hollywood. She's going to be able to do whatever the hell she wants. Whatever the hell she wants. That is... Damn, man, that. Mm. <laughs> okay, so going back to the stories that we heard, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago that dominated the headlines back then, seems like 10 months ago now at this point with all the other news that's been coming out with MJF and Vince McMahon and everything like that. We all agreed that both parties were at fault. WWE's creative for the longest time has been very questionable. At best, could be very frustrating for both talent and everybody involved. But we also agree that what Sasha and Naomi did leaving as the show had started or after the show had started was was wrong. Both parties were in the wrong on this. WWE went out of their way to bury both Sasha Banks uh, and Naomi for walking out on Monday Night Raw on multiple occasions. And we have not seen nor heard about Sasha nor Naomi since then. So the question now becomes about what happens with Naomi because the the feeling amongst a lot of people was this was mainly instigated by Sasha Banks. Again, all reports, all feelings. We still haven't heard Sasha and Naomi's side of this. If if Sasha's been released and she's got 90 days, if she wants to wrestle, you know Tony Khan's signing her ass up. Like that's not, that, there's no question. There's no yeah. question that that's happening. And arguably that would be what outside outside of punk. That'd be his biggest signing maybe ever from a former WWE superstar. I don't 100%. think no disrespect to Mox or Brian Danielson or anybody. I think Sasha Banks is bigger, especially out of the people that were released. Yeah, this would be the biggest. <sighs> We thank you all for listening to all 60 minutes of this half hour podcast. That is, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to sleep tonight. That is insane to me. I'm like, I'm like in shock right now. You, you got my raw reaction. You got my initial reaction to that news. Did, when you were talking, did you see my eyes bug out of my head? Like, I did. did. You re- I, yeah. did. I did. I just thought you disagreed with me until you <laughs> No, to be honest, I don't have a clue what you said. <laughs> I just I stopped listening Fair. to everything that you said, and I'm just like, what? What does SRS say? Like that uh, immediately. That's what I do. Like if I see something like that, if I see something that could be even possibly shady, I'm like, what does Sean say? What's going on? <sighs> wow, that's nuts. That is nuts. That woman's gonna be able to do whatever the hell she wants. Star Wars, movies, Hollywood. I still stand by what I said, though, weeks ago. I do think we will see Sasha Banks in a WWE ring again one day. But it just may now be a lot longer uh, than we'll, that we'll see her back in a WWE ring. She's only 30 years old, folks. That's, that's the insane thing. She's been around for years. 
years. But I will also say, as big as her star got in WWE, they never fully realized what they had with her. They just never went all in with Sasha Banks like they should have. And it is a damn shame. And it's just another miss. It's another miss in in WWE's books. Even Even as much as they put behind Sasha Banks, this was a miss. They, they could have propelled her to heights like they did Charlotte and Becky, and they chose not to do it. This is like the craziest news week in wrestling. Like, and I've said this, I've said this multiple times this year. We're 40 minutes away from Thursday. There's still two days left. It's it's already Thursday here. So <laughs> I'm on Eastern Standard Time. I keep forgetting you're in the UK now. We now appreciate you listening to all 63 minutes of this half hour podcast. Thank you so much. So much. Oh, my goodness. We might have to do an emergency Friday podcast. I don't know. We'll keep you posted. Keep an eye on the fast count. I may have some more uh, more thoughts on this. This is crazy. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast for SP3. I'm Rick Uchino. We are here thanks to our friends over. I bet online. Enjoy your Thursday, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.